Our reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 10, and if you want to follow it, it's on page 1144 of the Church Bibles. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptised in my name. Yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, good afternoon everyone. Um, I'd like to add my welcome to Peter's, um, particularly for those folk who um, this may be the first time along to us. Um, you're really welcome um, this afternoon. Um, we have started last week our series in the book of First Corinthians. And um, Marco uh, brought to us the first bit of chapter one. And we're actually going to be looking at the second um, half of chapter one um, this afternoon. Um, as we found out last week, um, Paul had went on one of his missionary journeys to the city of Corinth. And there God had worked really powerfully in the lives of the people of Corinth. And many, many people had come to faith. For some of those people, um, they were from a Jewish background. 
um, for most of the people, they were actually coming from a Gentile or Greek background, and Paul seems to alternate between those two two terms. Um, these are folk who had no background at all in what God uh, God's standards was and what God's word and uh, words were. It was a very godless society in which these people uh, were living. And Paul then moved on, as he did, after quite a period of time to continue on his missionary journeys. As we read in the passage today, uh, Paul, when he was in Ephesus, had a visit. And he had um, a group coming from the household of a lady called Chloe. And we're not quite sure what that means if this was business people um, who were in Ephesus on business that actually represented Chloe in that city whether they were slaves, um, whether they were were members of her family. But they met up with Paul in Ephesus and they began to share about some of the things that were going on in the new church in Corinth. And what they discovered was that the church in Corinth was in a bit of a mess. Um, Things were not going in the way that Paul hoped and longed for Um, in these folks' lives. These people had come to faith. They had responded to the good news of the gospel. God had worked powerfully in their lives. But they had turned back to some of the old ways of doing things. They had began to do some of the things that were accepted and normal from their old way of life, from their old um, ways of doing things. The society in Corinth in many ways, was very similar to our society here today. Um, Our society has turned away from um, godly values. Um, There's lots of things that are accepted and even promoted and encouraged in our society, which does not lead us into God's best for us. And Paul writing um, to the Romans, um, uh, this is the J.B. Phillips translation, um, talks to them about how in response to what God has done in our lives, in response to how God has saved and rescued us that we need to be people who do not let the world push us into its mould. Okay? And for us um, it's a very easy default setting to go with the flow. And unfortunately the flow of our society, the flow of our culture around us is not actually towards pleasing God and doing things in God's way. The flow of our society is the opposite direction. And so what Paul actively says is, do not let the world squeeze you into its mould. So as we we look at this passage, we saw last week, God has done wonderful things in the lives of the Corinthians, and God has done wonderful things in our lives as well. And God loves us. God cannot love us any more than he loves us already. But what God wants to do in our lives is to transform our lives because he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are at the moment. He wants to transform us into more, being more like the person of the Lord Jesus. Putting that in another way, it's not about us living culture up So trying to be a little bit better than where our society comes from. But actually, 
living kingdom down with God's standards and with God's way of doing things, that that's where we're coming from. That's where we're wanting to live rather than trying just to be a little bit better than our society around us. But these guys in Corinth were struggling with this. So what Paul begins to do in this passage that we've read today is he begins to address some of these issues. And there's lots of stuff going on in Corinth. And obviously, from a lot of us here, we've already read the letter before. And we know some of the stuff that's going on there. Um, and stuff that's really, frankly, quite shocking. Um, even in our quite salacious society, it would be quite shocking for us. But what Paul starts to talk to these Corinthian Christians about is this whole issue of unity. And this is the very first thing that he chooses to talk to the Christians about, is unity. That seems a little bit strange to us. I don't know, maybe we should think about that. But as we think about this, um, what we see in the New Testament is that God calls us to be his people and to be a community of his people that are united and coming together. Um, this is a lovely picture. And um, whenever we were, or whenever we respond to the gospel, whenever we come into a relationship with God, whenever we have our sins forgiven, we are adopted and we become sons and daughters of the living God. But we are not born into an only family and where we're the only ones, God also brings us into relationship with one another where we become brothers and sisters. And the, one of the evidences of what um, God has done in our lives through the gospel is actually in terms of our relationship with each other. Jesus, in John 17, whenever he prays, and we looked at this last year, whenever he prays for us who are going to come to faith, he prays um, for them that... Um, they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So one of the evidences of the power of the gospel, one of the evidences of what God has done in our lives is through how we are in relationship with one another. Jesus in another place said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. We are called into a depth of relationship where we are together. We come from all sorts of backgrounds here. Some of us come from different countries. Um, some of us uh, come from different socioeconomic groups. Um, some of us um, are really well educated. Others of us are not. Some of us are really wealthy. Some of us are okay. Some of us are not so wealthy. Um, we, some of us have been brought up in cities others of us have been brought up in the countryside um, some of us um, even support other teams other than Liverpool shocking as that may be we come from all sorts of different backgrounds but through what Jesus has done in our lives he has brought us together to being his people to being his children to being his sons and daughters to being part of his body together and so that has got to be part of what we're going on in, in our lives. But for these Corinthians, that isn't what was happening. They had divided up into all sorts of factional groups. And um, it was about who's the greatest, who's the best. So if you're Doctor Who's fans, most people will have a best doctor. 
I'm, I'm sorry if your best doctor is not photographed up there. There's not many of them now. Um, we couldn't actually put them all onto one slide. Um, these are the four of the American presidents, presidents that got together. And again, different people have different views of who's the best president. We have Muhammad Ali down here at the bottom. And people have different views about who's the greatest boxer, who's the greatest sports person um, as around. But for these Corinthians, um, what they were focusing in on and what was important in their society was the celebrity of people who could actually speak well and people who could debate well, people who were really good at what's called rhetoric and and could really advance really powerful arguments. And that's what they they were talking about and thinking about. And so these, these Christians had started to say, okay, I follow Apollos. And others would say, I follow Paul. And then others would say, I follow Peter. And we're not quite sure if Peter had ever been to Corinth. We, we presume he must have been um, for him to say that. And even some said, I follow Jesus. Um, so there was these different groupings, these different factions that had actually arisen within the Corinthian church that people were dividing um, in terms of who they thought the best speaker was, who they thought the best leader was, and so they were going after that and saying, this is, this is how I want to be. For each of these people, these were people who had been called by God, who were being used by God powerfully to lead the church and to speak his word into people's lives. So these people, had, they, they were doing what God had called them to do. But the problem was that the Corinthians had actually substituted the person of Jesus for these local leaders, for these local people that they had encountered, these local personalities. And that's what is wrong. Because what they needed to know, and what Paul goes on to talk to them about, is that it's all about Jesus. It's not about who can speak the best. It's not about the the best um, um, whatever. Who the centre of our and um, lies as Christians is who's the person that we're going after is the person of Jesus. That's who it's all about, and that's who we're actually seeking to serve and to walk alongside. This can be hard work. Um, again, writing to one of the other churches, in fact, the city that Paul was writing this letter from Ephesus, he talks to the Christians there and he says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as Paul writes these words, it's not an assumption this is going to be a really easy thing to do. This is something that's just going to happen, and you just don't have to do anything about it. What he's saying here is this is something that will need to be worked at. This is something you'll have to actually um, uh, sort of guard against and work towards. Did Paul die for you is what he says in verse 14. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Um, And he's saying is, no. Yet I've come and I've brought the good news of the gospel to you. I've proclaimed this message to you, but I'm not the one that saved you. I'm not the one who has transformed your lives, who've turned you around from, from death to life, from darkness to light from being condemned to being forgiven. Um, This is the person of Jesus who's done that. 
It's not about who baptised you. And again, as we read in this passage, in this uh, passage here, some of the people were getting really boastful. I got baptised by Paul, therefore I must be a better Christian than you, and um, because you were baptised by somebody else. Um, and Paul says it's not about baptism. It's not about who baptised you. It's because it's about what was behind that. And don't mishear Paul in saying this. Baptism is really important. As we looked at, and as Paul was commissioned, um, as the rest of the disciples, we were called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. And that's really important, that, that we see people baptised as they respond to Jesus. But that doesn't... Um, take away from the best thing, the most important thing, is this message of the cross, this message of what Jesus has done. That is the most important thing. So what in KCC could and may come between us? What are the sort of things that we need to guard against, that we need to work hard at ensuring that we don't divide and go into factions? Um, we're not going to talk about football teams, that's irrelevant, I think, for most people, maybe not. Um, but there are things that we can have which are like these Corinthian Christians where we have preferences about the way we like to hear God's word being, being preached. We can have preferences about how worship is done. We can have preferences about what version of the Bible we read. And these things are all okay things but they're not as important as the unity that we have in the Lord Jesus. As we look around us, not only in KCC, but at other Christians around us, sometimes we can divide into our own little groups. We can have either our denominations, we can have um, divisions depending on which Christian conference you go along to, whether you're a new wine person or a word alive person. Um, all those sorts of things we can start to segment and to split ourselves into. What God clearly says to us here at the moment is there are things that are important, there are things that are good for us to talk about and discuss, but those things must not get in the way of us having relationship with each other, of us recognising one another as brothers and sisters in him, of us actually seeking what God wants to do in our lives. We must not let that happen we will be the world and the, the kingdom of this world will drive us that way. The, the evil one will want to split us, but we need to work and say, no, these things are not as important as the importance of us being united together, of us actually being together. And it's all about Jesus. He's the fundamental. He is the one that we um, actually um, does I give all our allegiances to. So Paul, before we get to this verse, um, talks about how he came not with eloquent speech, but he came with a simple message about the cross of Jesus. And um, so what, again, Paul is not saying is it's not a good idea to actually present well um, what God has given us to say to people. He's not saying that we should not change how we say things to people depending on the groups that we are. And again, as we read through um, the book of Acts, 
We see there how Paul talks really differently whenever he was in Athens and speaking to the Athenians compared to how he spoke to the Jewish crowd in Jerusalem. Very, very different ways of actually describing it. But he still talked about the same gospel. He still talked about the good news. But what Paul is saying is, it was not because I was such a good speaker that I was so persuasive that you actually came and responded to Jesus. It was because of the message that was out there. And sometimes in our society, um, and in our world, it's all about how you present the message. It's all about what the soundbite is. It's all about what the story is. But what Paul is saying, what it's all about is the actual message. What it is all about is the truth behind um, what, what Jesus has done and what God has done. And what he says here is, for the message of the cross is foolishness um, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So Paul, as he speaks into the lives of these Corinthians, he reminds them about what is the message that they've responded to. So it's not a message about something that the world around them sees as being something really significant, that they've worked out because of their wisdom, because of their intelligence, that they've worked out this thing. This is a a message that to that group of people actually seems really quite foolish. The fact that a guy, hundreds of miles away from where they lived, who had a pretty horrible death on what was a really dreadful thing on the cross, that all of them, I mean, again, some of the writers that, that, that wrote at that time talked about how disgraceful it was and how you should not even think about um, being uh, crucified and what that would actually mean. So this, this thing, this thing that happened, how that could actually impact and could transform and change their lives, that was beyond their thing. So that seemed foolishness to them. But yet, for us who responded, to the Corinthians that responded, to us who responded, this is the power of God to transform our lives, to change us from being dead to being alive, to change us from being condemned to being forgiven, to change us from being far away from God to being reconciled to God, to change us from becoming enemies of God to becoming his beloved children. That is the power of the cross. The cross reverses everything. What seems weak is actually a demonstration of God's strength and his power in changing things around. What seems foolish and really uncomprehensible is actually God's wisdom at work as he changes things around. What looks like death actually brings life and hope and good things into our lives. Paul talks from this passage in Isaiah 29, verse 14. He quotes this in this passage. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. This passage was written by the prophet Isaiah, speaking to the people of his day as he prophesied about the judgment of God upon Jerusalem and about how Jerusalem was going to be was going to fall to the Babylonians. And the other prophets, so-called, of his day, disagreed with him. The intelligent people, the, the people that were meant to be wise, the people that were meant to be um, learned, 
in his day disagreed with what um, Isaiah was saying. But who was proved right? Who was the one that was shown by what happened that they were speaking God's word with power? And so Paul uses this to actually illustrate the fact that this message, which the intelligent people, the wise people, the people who um, uh, seemed powerful in the eyes of the world around, that they actually didn't know anything. That ultimately the end of their wisdom was actually going to be death. But the end of God's wisdom, this foolishness that seemed to them was actually going to be life and forgiveness and wholeness in God. Paul talks about here, Jews demand signs and Greeks or Gentiles look for wisdom. So the signs that we talk about here, that he talks about here, is really miracles. And it's not that Paul is saying that's unimportant, because as we look at the the ministry of Jesus, we see the absolute wonderful miracles that Jesus did um, in giving sight to the blind, in making the lame walk, in uh, bringing the dead back to life. And we can see that as we read through the book of Acts, how in Paul's ministry and the ministry of the other apostles that God worked powerfully in the lives of many people, releasing people from demons and all the the things that bound people up and and kept them in bondage. Um, And Paul goes on in Corinthians to actually talk about how the miracles attest to what God has done and attest to the, the, the power of the gospel. But what Paul is saying here again is, actually, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. It's all about what he has done for us. That is the thing that is the most important thing. That is the thing that actually will give you life, will give you hope, will bring you. And again, Greeks look for wisdom. It's all about learning. It's all about the intelligent argument. This, this doesn't seem intelligent to them. But yet, God shows um, through his power and through what he's done uh, in our lives that that is that. We read uh, in 23 to 25, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, uh, sorry, Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So our society is like Corinthian society. We've said that already this afternoon, but this is the way it is for us as well. So sometimes as we bring the message of the cross to people around us, it can seem foolish to them. But we know that it is actually the power of God to transform people's lives. It's not about us changing that message. It's not about us adapting that message for our day and age. Um, That message is the same. How we present it may be different, but that message is the same because this message is the power of God to transform people's lives is the power of God um, unto salvation. Paul then goes on to talk about how we can only um, come um, to God as he is called. So this is an electromagnet. Okay, everyone's looking puzzled at this thing. I'm really sorry. 
So what Marco talked about, the paperclip illustration, which I thought was fantastic last week, and the electric magnet, and how, as you switch the electric magnet on, whoop, the paperclip goes towards it. It's, it looks as if it's the paperclip that's done all the work, but it's actually the power of the electric magnet that, that's actually done it. And what Jesus says in this verse, in John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. So for us this afternoon, as we responded to this good news, it is because of the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the one that actually spoke into our lives and said, yep, you need to come, this is truth, this is my life, this is what I need to give to you. So what Paul talks about in many of his letters is coming to people, not just with words, but with power. And we've got that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit living within us, who will actually can work through our lives, who can speak through us and can speak into the lives of people around us. Um, this week we're starting journey groups. And one of the things that's going to happen, not this week in the meals, but in the weeks that come, is we're going to be asking people to actually thoughtfully pray for those people that God has put into your life. And who you believe God is calling you to share the good news of the gospel with. And we're thinking not of one, we're not taking, talking about hundreds of people. And as Marco said a few times, it's not about your your cousin um, second removed who lives out in Argentina. This is talking about people that you will actually interact with um, and that you will see, that you have a relationship with. Um, and really asking God for opportunities to share the good news with them. But one of the realities is that we need to also pray that God's Holy Spirit will draw those people into relationship with himself. Because no matter how good we are, how eloquent we are at explaining the gospel or not, it is actually the work of God's Holy Spirit in people's lives that actually transform and change them, that bring them into relationship with him. So this drives us to our knees. This drives us to a place of prayer and of seeking God and saying, asking for his intervention in these folks' lives. Paul then finishes off this part of the chapter and he talks about what we were like before we became Christians. Um, so what were you like before you became Christian? Um, were many of you wise? And what it means by this, were you part of the intelligentsia? Um, people who were really learned and really gifted? And some of you guys were, um, and that's really fantastic, but, but some of us were not. Um, were any of you rich? Um, were any of you royalty? Um, I don't know of anybody within the congregation who's, who's royalty. Um, were any of you really influential? Um, some of you guys will know who this, this guy is here at the end. Um, and we're sort of, the answer to most of these questions, for most of us, is probably not. Um, we're, we're actually pretty ordinary people. Um, there's nothing fantastic about us. But yet, God has chosen us. He has called us to come and to follow him, to be his people, to be part of his story, to be part of his purposes and what he wants to do in our world. He has called us into a place where he wants to use us to bring his blessing, to bring his goodness into the lives of the people in this town, in this nation, and we hope and pray to the end of the world that there's going to be people from 
even our congregation here that will go out into different parts of the world and will actually um, be used of God to do that. But this is not about us. It's not about us because of our greatness, because of what we have done or of, of, of what we have achieved. It's all about Jesus. Because he chose the foolish things of this world and this our egos out the window. You know what I mean? It's all about God. It's not about us. It's not about what we have achieved. He's chosen the foolish things of this world um, to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He's chosen the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to mollify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boast, boast in the Lord. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done in our lives that he has brought us into his into relationship with himself. It's all about Jesus. So this afternoon, um, as we begin to think through and um, what God is going to be speaking to us through this uh, book of Corinthians, as we look at this church where God had worked really powerfully in the lives of these people, where he had brought them into relationship with himself, but where stuff had got in the way, where they'd become messed up. And what we need to do is we need to respond and ask the question, where are we this afternoon? Where are things in our lives? Um, Are we folk where there is disunity in our thinking, in our hearts? Is there um, pride where we look down at other Christians? Um, Or we say we are better, we're we're greater? Um, There's no room for that and we need to repent of that. Is it that... um, um, that we are nervous about speaking the gospel because it seems really foolish. And we need to acknowledge again that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's the message through which we came to know the Lord Jesus. And it's that message through whom we, and that message, as we bring that into the lives of others, that it will transform people's lives and bring them into relationship with him. Because the message of the cross, the message of what Jesus has done for us, it's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you um, that you love us. And we thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough to come and to die on the cross for us. That through your death, that we might have forgiveness that through your death that we might be reconciled with you, that through your death that we might um, uh, be brought into your family as your beloved sons and daughters. We thank you, Lord, that you love us too much to leave us the way that we are, but, Lord, that you want to transform our lives, that you want to transform us into the likeness of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we just pray that day by day, and week by week, by your Holy Spirit's help, that we would um, be transformed by you, that we would be cooperative with you in the things that need to change and the things that need to be transformed in our lives. We pray that you would make us bold 
as we would seek to share this good news with the world around us. That you would make us bold as we would seek to share this good news with our friends, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, and with our schoolmates. Lord, as we seek to share this good news um, with the world, that you would, by the power of your spirit, be at work in people's lives and draw them into relationship with yourself. For these things we pray in your name.